Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Alright, so thank you for tuning in to Chopping at the Bit. This is episode number 92. I am Kyle Edwards, of course. Now, in this episode, there's a couple ways I could have gone about this. So, we have NFL free agency going on. There's been a lot to talk about with that. But I felt like I'll save that for later in the week. Um, we have NBA trade deadline coming up. So, I could have talked about that because there are some rumors out there. I think I'll save that as well. I feel like on this episode, we need to talk about the, I guess, the disparity in terms of women and men's sports. Now, if you've been paying attention to the uh, NCAA tournament, whether it's the men or the women's tournament, or maybe you watch both, I've watched games from both. Um, it was a few days ago where we saw a uh, University of Oregon women's player kind of, well, she took to social media and she, uh, I believe she showed the weight room of the women's tournament, well, of the women versus the men, and then she showed like the food spread of the women versus the men, and of course, um, Everybody who saw it was kind of outraged by it because, I mean, the men had basically a full weight room while the women had like a couple of dumbbells. And then in terms of food, men had like a, you know, an actual like game spread just of good food. And as some people commented, the women's spread looked like prison food. Um, It didn't just stop there because... The swag that, you know, the men received was much better and more than what the women were getting. So seeing all that made me think about kind of, I guess, all of the disparity between men and women's sports that it's kind of been an issue for a little bit. And, you know, we saw some like high profile cases of it with like the u.s women's national team uh you know um, looking to get more pay all that kind of stuff compared to the men's team we've seen you know wnba continue to fight to get kind of the respect as the nba uh i mean if you look at like title nine college sports is always a uh, fight for attention between the men's sport and women's sports. So I feel like the you know Oregon players sh- showing that video kind of brought back a lot of that. Um, brought back up that discussion that you know some people can uh, kind of think 
you know, progressively and really see where the women are coming from. Then you have some instances where um, I guess kind of like with Shaq, because I will talk about that, where Shaq and Candace Parker had an exchange on was it inside the NBA because, you know, uh, Kenny and Charles are off doing college basketball. They brought in Candace Parker and Dwayne Wade mainly. And there was an episode, I believe it was last Thursday, where they were talking about the women's tournament and all the kind of stuff where Shaq kind of brought up the opinion that some other former you know, NBA players have brought up that if the women, you know, lower the rim, it would increase dunking, which to a lot of the men feel like that would increase viewership. Now, naturally, Candace Parker wasn't a fan of that because I like I understand where you know Shaq and them are coming from because for the men's game, the dunk became. Uh, I guess an attraction point for a lot of viewers at home and in the arenas so they figure that'd be the easiest thing for the women to do but then again you gotta think about it uh, now one the percentage of you know players in the WNBA who can dunk versus the NBA it's a vastly different number so then it's going to be, well, how far do you really lower the rim to get to a point where Duncan becomes a regular thing? Because, yeah, I mean, it's at 10 feet now. I believe I heard some of them say like nine feet or nine and a half feet. I mean, you bring it down to nine and a half feet. You'll get what, like Brittany Griner dunking. I mean, she can dunk on 10 feet already. So she'll be dunking. Candace Parker has dunked on 10 feet before. I guess like Brianna Stewart. Um, so there's Elizabeth Cambage, you know, players like that. But I do wonder, would that even be enough to, I guess, get the results that some of the men and former NBA players think will have? And I kind of believe that it wouldn't do as much as they think it would. Now, I mean, I can get in, I will get into later on kind of the, I guess the reasons that I see that, of course, well, not of course, but that women's sports seem to struggle in the public eye, although it's not all of them, because I feel like some women's sports are more popular than others. And I think I'll try to break down some key factors as to what they are. So I'll do that in this episode. But I just want to start with the, I guess, the Oregon player and what she kind of opened up all of us to. And of course, the NCAA, once the video went out there and became a big story, the NCAA president was like, oh, we're going to monitor these conditions and make necessary changes or whatever. I mean, it's the right response, but I don't know. Something about that seems a little off because if you're going to put on 
um, you know, NCAA tournament for men and women. You went ahead and you picked all the sites and all that kind of stuff. Wouldn't you now speaking to the NCAA president, of course, wouldn't he have gone ahead and checked out these arrangements before? And if he, you know, would have seen what she showed us before, wouldn't you think he would have fixed that problem before it became an issue? And that's kind of the part that's lost on me. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know the inner workings of putting on, you know, the men's and the women's tournament. I know there's a lot of work behind it. And especially after last year where they not where they didn't even have one, you know, this year was really a a, a really big chance to uh, I guess capture the attention of people because you know missing out on a year of and of the NCAA tournament which is already a big deal. You know, people were ready for this. I know I was, and I'm sure a lot of you were. So, so yeah, I mean I. I don't think I've seen anything about that story recently. Um, I mean, I'm sure that they've bumped up the, you know, women's food and the weight room. Sure, they've done that, Um, which is good. But I mean, hopefully this doesn't become any more of an issue and. I mean, like I said, it's something that's been going on for a while where, no matter, I mean, you could take any sport. Do you have soccer? Men's national team versus women's national team is not only a U.S. problem either. You go around, you look at a lot of countries and, you know, you have governments that will put uh, exponentially more money into the men's, you know, development programs than the women's programs. And, you know, for a lot of women and, of course, some men do recognize this and see it as a problem. And I believe that not necessarily say it's like the elephant in the room, but to these, you know, governments and all that kind of stuff, they feel like the better money is in the men's game because it's the more popular one. And in a lot of these cases, it's. I mean, unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. It's, you know, attendance or TV ratings, basically anything that brings in money to these institutions, whether it's a college campus or to an owner of a a professional team, because a lot of these professional owners who own women's teams own men's teams as well, because a lot of them share the same market, but like I said, unfortunately, it's a decision that they have to make. They put their money into the entity that they feel like gives them the best return. So, like, I I mean, I think the WNBA may eventually get somewhere to the point where it might be. I don't think it'll ever be as popular as the NBA, but I think it could get to a respectable level because right now to your average TV viewer. I mean, they look at, I mean, WNBA on such a lower level compared to the NBA that 
that's where they hurt in terms of attendance and the ratings. And for the most part, in all of these sports that have issues like that, until they can fix that problem, it may not necessarily get better right away. So, and even with that, it, in most cases, the easiest way to help that is kind of uh, linking up with a men's sport probably in the same area. So, for instance, you know, in there's like many cases where NBA players will show support for the WNBA, whether it's going to one of the games or, you know, tweeting to a player whenever they have an accomplishment or something like that, which I feel like does definitely help bring eyes to the sport. But I do believe a little more can be done. And I mean, one thing that it, that kind of hurts in this case is, you know, to the average viewer, there's more recognizable names on the men's side of these sports than the women's side. I'm sure for you, for most of you listening to this, if I were to tell you to, you know, name 10 WNBA players right now, how many of you would struggle to do it? I mean, you know, take a couple of seconds and try to think about that. But if I told you to name 10 NBA players, you could rattle them off in no time because there's obvious ones you would pick, you know, LeBron, AD, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I mean, even if you went to like obscure ones, you could go like Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, uh, Kyle Lowry, and Julius Randle. Just keep going, going, going. Like I said, WNBA, most of you might name Maya Moore, um, Diana Tarazi. Some of you may get stuck right there. Others would, you know, keep going. Sue Bird, Candice Dupree, like I said, Elizabeth Cambage, Brittany Griner, uh, and on and on. So, I do think that's one issue in terms of WNBA that they face even looking at college sports uh, if I said I'm, well okay so I'm sure on average more people wouldn't be able to name men's teams in the men's tournament over women's teams in the women's tournament and then secondary to that you know, every year tournament comes around ESPN. I mean, they showed the little number on it, but it's uh, like the Wednesday night before the opening round of the tournament. You'll see how many brackets have been submitted on their website. The men's number is always around. I mean, I don't even know how many were filled out this year, but it's always up in the millions and tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions. I don't know about hundreds of millions, maybe like, tens of millions I guess I'm sure if they showed the same number for the women's side it wouldn't be the same so there's another instance where you know that's kind of led to the uh, lessened anticipation for the women's side of the game 
And then, of course, we have to get into the style of both games where, you know, men's game is built on. I mean, so stereotypically, you talk about NBA, it's athleticism, speed, you know, the dunking, the the loud blocks, the trash talk, that kind of stuff. Whereas stereotypically, you look at women's game, what do they say? Fundamental, and that's about it. Not saying that's what it is necessarily, but to the average person, they'll think, oh, you know, they'll be real technical with the bounce pass and all this kind of stuff. But they still prefer the men's game because it's more athletic and faster. Now, for me, I will check out both, you know, the men's game and the women's game. I will say that to me over the past, I guess a few years, you have seen kind of a, uh, a little shift in the women's game where you're getting... Uh, kind of more. I feel like you're starting to see players be influenced by some of the men's game, where you know a lot of like you're starting to see guards coming into the women's game that have like a little flair to their game, and you know we'll try crossovers and that kind of stuff, which I think would help in the long run, and. I mean, it's going to be, a, to be honest, it's going to be a long, like hard road for the WBA to gain the same kind of, uh, same level of the NBA. I'm, I mean, they probably never reached the NBA's level, but could they reach like the G League level? I don't see why they couldn't. And I mean, that'd be no disrespect to the G League or the women's game. I mean, if you turn on a G League game, yes, the crowd isn't as big as an NBA game, but there is a reason to watch because you, you know, you're looking to see future stars who could be in the NBA one day. Whereas when it comes to the women's game in college, the only colleges that people really would care about are like UConn, um, I guess we would say like Tennessee, Stanford, um, like Notre Dame, Baylor. Those have been like recently and even South Carolina now. That's kind of it in terms of college. Whereas in the pro game, I mean, there's several. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Schools that people look at, whether you hate them or you love them. Duke, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Georgetown, UCLA, Texas, um, St. John's, Arizona, uh, Kentucky, you know, schools like that. So, I mean, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be something where I think they'll eventually get there. It's going to be a frustrating road because you'll still get those comments like what I said about Shaq, where they'll assume that the women's game needs to, you know, change their ways and adopt more of the men's game to become successful. I don't think they need to do that. I think they can keep the game the way it is. They'll just have to make sure that they start um, building up like the stars for tomorrow. And I mean, they they do that a little bit because we, I mean, I don't know. I can't say that we, but like for me, when you hear them talk about the women's college game, they talk about, uh, what's the name from UConn? Her last name always throws me. It's like Paige uh, Pukers or something. And she's supposed to be like the new, the next it girl for the WNBA. But I feel like they need to point out some others. I mean, there's a couple of others that they talk about, but I think that's that'd be one way to get started is really pushing these you know, top-level college players so that by the time they're ready for the WNBA, maybe viewers have you know, built up kind of a fan base towards them and want to keep following their career on the next level. That'd be one thing. Another thing would be... I mean, the WNBA has like, what, 12 teams or something like that? I do think... Well, they have like a partnership with the NBA, so the NBA does help them financially. I would like to see, uh, I guess, some expansion at some point because there are still some big markets that the NBA is tapped into that the WNBA hasn't actually gotten to yet. Um, like, I mean, since I'm from Boston. I would say Boston. I mean, Boston has the Celtics, but the closest WNBA team is in Connecticut. And I get it, you know, it's the whole New England region, but I have wondered if that team were in Boston instead of Connecticut, would that have helped? I don't know if it would, but it's an interesting thing to think about. I mean, they have New York. They have a team in New York. Um, they have a team in Atlanta. I don't think there is one in. I mean, Houston used to have one. They don't anymore. Uh, they have one in Los Angeles, so they have that market there. They have the Chicago market, so that's good. Um, but I think there's some other big name cities that don't have teams they could possibly put one in that could help. 
Um, but of course they can't spread themselves too much because if they do that too early then the sport could just end up dying but I mean I don't need to talk about of course basketball I mean looking at like I said soccer now this part of the story is a little funny because the women's soccer team is way more successful than the men's national team but the men get paid more because once again um, men's sports are seen as more uh, attractive to owners because of the money possibilities with the male athletes even I would argue that the US women's national team is pretty popular because um, I'm sure most of you if I said you know Megan Rapino. You might have at least heard the name if you didn't know what she looked like. Or Alex Morgan, um, Carly Lloyd, Abby Wambach. You know, they have some pretty popular players. So I feel like for them, it was easier to, you know, make the stand to get more money because of that. I believe they pretty sure they won that fight. So that's that was good for them. But even taking it a level below that, if you look at the MLS versus the the Women's League, which, what is it called? It's like the WPSL or something like that. I can't remember. The league's name slips my mind real quick. But even with all the women's national team success, the women's, the American Women Pro Soccer League has struggled mightily to the point where it's gone through what, like two times of basically bankrupting and then having to close operations, rebrand itself, and come back out. And now we have the current format of it where I do think that this current model may work a little better. But it's another instance like the WNBA where team-wise, you know, it's still kind of scarce around the country. So they are looking to expand. I believe they're supposed to be expanding soon with uh, things like Sacramento and San Antonio or something like that. Which is good because I would like to see the, the women's soccer league, you know, actually make it. Like I said, with the women's national team so popular, I can't for the life of me figure out why the women's soccer league can't sustain itself long enough to, you know, I guess build a tradition or something like that. So hopefully they get that done this time around. But, um, trying to get some other stuff. Oh, yes, I guess going back into like the college level not just basketball the whole arguing with title nine and all that kind of stuff i mean not to get into all that because i don't i mean basically title nine is what gave you know women's sports the opportunity all that kind of stuff which is good but you go around to these college campuses what sports really get the attention of the students depending on what school you go to, of course, it's most likely 
the football program and the men's basketball team. That's probably like 85% of campuses around the country. The only ones, I mean, I've already named most of these schools where the women's team may be on a level close to the men's team are the successful ones. UConn, Tennessee, blah, 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 going down the line. Or if you're maybe at a small school and your men's team hasn't been that popular, hasn't been that successful, and maybe the women's team's been more successful, maybe schools like that are fine. But for the big-name schools, your Alabamas, your Clemsons, and all that kind of stuff, I mean, at a lot of those schools, the... The, the biggest fight is between men's basketball and men's football because depending on the school, some schools, football is the king of the school. Other schools, basketball is the king of the school. Once again, it's all about success then all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I say all of this to say that, yes, the Oregon film from the player, it was disturbing to see. Because to think in 2021 that there was such a disparity between, I guess, the amenities for men and women, you would think that 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 we were way past that. Clearly, we're not. But when I saw it, to be honest, was not surprised by it one bit. I was more surprised that this was the first time that I could remember somebody actually putting it out there on social media making a story out of it like when I saw it I kind of thought that was probably the norm I don't know maybe I'm wrong on that but and that's mainly coming from you know hearing uh, people talk about women's sports and how they view it as well as I guess from my understanding of, you know, how the NCAA is, I mean, it's, if you've heard me talk about it enough on here, NCAA, you know, gets in its way a lot, doesn't necessarily make the right decision most of the time. So seeing a story about the NCAA screwing up something like that doesn't surprise me at all. Now, the only good thing that can come out of this is if, now with the conversations happening because you're starting to see that where you're, a lot of uh, female athletes are making their opinions known about how they feel about it, which is good. You're also getting some male athletes joining in on the fight you know, wanting to see things a little more equal, which is great as well. And if that support can continue, maybe you know some of these leagues can develop partnerships with maybe the men's sport and work something out I don't know I'm, I mean I don't run a team or a league so I don't know the inner workings but I feel like it's an issue that can be resolved pretty easily and you know it's a simple thing just take it across the board make the accommodations equal for both of them and just, just go from there. So, hopefully, you you know, 
understood where I was coming from with all the ramblings. It's, I mean, it's still kind of a, uh, like I said, 2021, still an issue. Feel like we should have been past this a while ago, but hey, not all change is quick. Some change is slow evolving, but eventually we'll get there. So for right now, like I said, it was sad to see, but now the discussions are open. Now you can start to see hopefully some change come about. But um, I guess that's enough rambling from me on that subject. So I guess I'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. But um, uh, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was I guess a little different. I mean, of course, I normally do sports stories, and this is actually a pretty big sports story, so I felt like I needed to talk about it. Don't want to wait too long before I addressed it, and then I forgot about it. Because like I said earlier in the episode, there are some other things I want to get to as well. So uh, I guess just send you up for the next few episodes. We have the uh, NBA draft. Um, good Lord, not the NBA draft the NBA trade deadline coming up which is actually on Thursday so and I do hope it's a busy uh, trade deadline because I feel like with the extra playoff teams there's so many teams still in contention for at least a playoff spot that hopefully teams try to uh, become buyers and add to their team to help their position what I fear is that so many teams will think they're in it. They won't be willing to give up anything. And we end up with a quiet trade deadline, which would be boring because I wouldn't have much to say about it, but it's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll still talk about it either way. It'll either be uh, me talking about how teams missed opportunities on adding to their team, or if trades go down, we'll be evaluating it. So, We'll talk about it either way. Uh, we also have NFL free agency, which I yeah I haven't talked about yet, so I will do that. Been a lot of movement. When I first thought about talking about it, it was mainly because the Patriots had done so much, but I decided to wait. And now we've seen other teams do some stuff. We're seeing uh, some players popping up, whether. You know, they can talk themselves out of town or not. And we'll have to see about that. Also to talk about Deshaun Watson, which, I mean, that story is getting crazier and crazier every day as more and more women are coming forth and uh, making uh, allegations towards him. So we'll have to talk about that as well. I mean, that's a surprising one for me. I got I to gotta be honest. Um, Deshaun Watson's a guy who I've actually enjoyed watching, even though he doesn't play for the Patriots. But um, if any of you play fantasy football, I actually, past few years, have been uh, used to drafting Deshaun Watson and kind of dealing with the highs and lows of his game. But like I said, because of that, he's a guy I've watched a lot. 
plus we share a birthday so I mean odd as that is but yeah um, so definitely talk about that have some thoughts on that and as we start getting closer to the NFL draft which is at the end of April we are starting to see some guys put out some mock drafts I'll talk about some of those as well because um, just quickly like you know browsing like ESPN and NFL.com I've seen a couple of mock drafts that look crazy to me and some that I could see playing out. So we'll talk about some of that as well as we get close to the draft, get ready for the draft. And yeah, so much other stuff. So uh, should definitely hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to this. That way, whenever I drop episodes, you'll get notified. Um, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Chompin' Podcast. And you know, while you're there, after you follow, of course, you, you can go ahead and leave a message uh, for me and we can kind of interact that way, go back and forth. You can even leave a comment based off of this episode on how you feel about the whole you know, disparity between men and women's sports. Give me your opinion and we can talk about it there. Um, what else is there? Also, if you are one who prefers YouTube, I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, you just have to search my name, Kyle Edwards. You'll see my channel come up. The episodes are there as well. Uh, of course they are in audio form as we don't have a video podcast yet that could be down the line. So we'll see, but all the episodes are there. If you want to listen to it on YouTube, knock yourself out there. Uh, subscribe to the channel on there as well. If you do go over there. So but yeah, wherever, like I said, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find me uh, usually by searching, chomping at the bit. You find it anywhere unless you're on YouTube. Like I said, just search my name or SoundCloud. You can do it by searching chomping at the bit. It's actually easier over there. I've noticed if you search my name and then they'll all come up that way. So whatever your preference. So um, yeah, so I'll leave you with be safe out there. God bless. And I'll catch you in the next episode. All right. This episode is made possible by PwC. Invest in a cooler future and be part of the climate solution. Critical challenges require critical thinking, and that's why ESG is part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.